Greetings, fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension. You're listening to The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. I'm Michael Mould, as always, and she, as always, is Emma Foster. Hello. Hello. And it's a bit of a sad day here on The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, for we've said farewell to the 11th Doctor. Oh, I didn't want to say goodbye to him. No. So, of course, we're talking about the time of the Doctor, the uh, 2013 Christmas special. So, Emma, what were your immediate thoughts? Immediate thoughts were... Mm, that kind of all I can say about mm. um, I, it's not that I didn't enjoy the episode I did but I think that um, after the kind of the hoo-ha of the 50th it felt like a little tiny bit of an anti-climax I did I'll say apart from that I mean apart from those feelings I did actually really enjoy the episode um, as Christmas specials go I think it was a successful one um, it wasn't, they didn't, I mean, they sort of come in two flavours, the Christmas episodes of Doctor Who. You sort of either get them where they're just sort of an episode with Christmas bits or they are super Christmassy. And this was sort of a, quite a lot of column A, I felt. Yeah, I mean, um, I sort of like feel the same. It's, I don't think it was as good as the 50th anniversary. I thought, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to quantify because I felt like it was missing something, but I couldn't tell you for the life of me what. It just, um, like we've talked about on the show before, if that um, sometimes episodes are just kind of their biggest crime is being average. And I would say that this episode is kind of in that quadrant. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't call it average, but there was just something, I don't know, something just like missing from making it great. Mm, I would agree. I think um, something that um, I've, I've been thinking about quite a lot is the length of the episode. Um, I would say that actually, I, I think it probably struggled a bit in being 60 minutes. Now, normally I, I'm sort of in the opposite camp of like the more time that the episodes get, the better they tend to be. Um, case in point, the 50th anniversary, I mean, it was virtually a movie length episode and it and it needed all that time but this one i felt like actually you could have maybe got away with it being a 45 minute episode Mm -hmm. um i I think i think there's probably enough there to for to fill the 60 minutes if i don't know something it had been slightly restructured so like there was less time spent on something and more time spent on another thing do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I felt. I mean, I felt like, from my perspective, it felt like the first twenty minutes were kind of unfocused and a little bit flabby. Mm. And I think that if maybe that had been tightened up, you you sort of what would have got a much more exciting feeling episode. I mean, as it was, that get all the business with Andals, the um, Cyberman head, <laughs> which I did like actually. I did like Andals, bless him, um, and all the all the business with Clara's family. And while that stuff is interesting, it just it, it sort of felt a bit unfocused. And normally, mm. like we, when we talked about the anniversary episode, we said that, or I said that, with Moffat, you often get these things of like, you'll get the story starting with like three threads that don't seem to be connected. And as the story goes on, they kind of all weave together and sort of get you to the end of the episode. And you're like, oh, okay, I see why we started that way. Mm. But with this one, it, it just didn't seem to come off the same way or work in the same way that it usually seems to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's kind of linear, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it didn't really get going until we sort of, we finished with all our business at the papal mainframe. And um, 
sort of got onto Trenzalore, mm. you know, that's when the episode really kicked off and I really sort of went, right, I'm into this now. I, I sort of get it. Um, and for me, it was quite reminiscent of Big Bang Pandorica Opens. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it really reminded me a lot of that. I mean, obviously the standoff at Stonehenge with all the different species sort of sitting there waiting to waiting to be the first one to make the move. Yeah. And in the trailers over here in the UK, it, it was very much focused on the bit where the Doctor sort of shouts, if you want my life, come and get it. Mm. And I, I, I turned around to Chuck and said, that's so Pandorica Opens. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, so we're basically going to get another co-round of the Pandorica Opens. <laughs> I think, you know, if I hadn't seen, if we hadn't had Pandorica and Big Bang, um, I think I would have been slightly more impressed by what was happening on Trenzalore. Mm. But, um, I mean, I'm not going to, again, I can't say that it was bad. It wasn't bad. It was enjoyable, and I enjoyed the episode a lot, and especially those bits of um, him in Christmas and like the little vignettes with the Sontarans and the analogue Cyberman. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, it just it, it just sort of seemed to lack the usual kind of laser beam focus that you get with Moffat episodes. Mm. I d- I'm just sort of, I always sort of, like, wonder... Now that, that it's all sort of passed with, you know, the departure of Karen Gillan and um, Arthur Darvill and then Matt dis- deciding he was going to leave when he originally said he was going to do Series 8. I just wonder whether it sort of turned out the way it did because Moffat felt like compelled that he had to like wrap it all up, like all the stuff that's taken place in Matt's time as the Doctor. And like, had Matt not left, then maybe Series 8 would have like spun it out a bit more and then it you know what I mean? Like it would would have been less like sort of compressed into one thing. Do you know what I mean? Because there's like a lot of things where you know they explain you know why the TARDIS exploded at the end of series five and um, like the whole Madame Kavarian uh, sect of the the people mainframe, like all oh, the Church of the Silence, as it were. And that was that was fine, but it's just sort of I don't know. It seemed a bit kind of throwaway. Well, I think. I mean, this theory that basically this episode was series eight compressed into 60 minutes is a theory, is something I've been seeing going around the internet quite a lot since the episode broadcast. Mm. And the more I think about it, the more I think maybe that this this idea is, is on the money. Um, I think that it was, it was nice that... It's good that Capaldi's getting a clean break Mm. in that everything, every question that we've had since season five began is now been resolved. Um, But like you say, because it's been squished into 60 minutes, it all feels a little bit pat. It's sort of that thing of like, oh, do you remember that thing? Fixed it. That thing fixed it. It's Mm -hmm. kind of that, that kind of like that box ticking, which, um, I, when I was uh, when I wrote a review of the Wedding of River Song, it sort of felt it was a little bit like that as well. That it was you felt like there was just kind of this huge list of things they had to tr- sort of tick off as they went along, mm. and sometimes the story suffers as a result. But um, I think there's a thing with I think this is a problem with the Christmas specials, sort of fundamentally, is that they they don't know still quite how to play them Mm. like they don't know whether to say well this is like a sort of throwaway fluffy christmas episode or this is this is part of the proper season it just happens to be the one that goes out on christmas day Mm. and they still can't seem to get that balance right yeah i mean i mean as we i mean this is what our 
Oh god, I can never... is, is it the eighth Christmas special now? Hang on. Um, Christmas Invasion, Runaway Bride, Voyage of the Damned, End yep. of Time, yep. Christmas Carol, Doctor Widow and Order of Snow. Yeah, this is the eighth. The eighth one, mm-hmm. and you know we're still kind of seem to be having that issue. Yeah. Um, see, uh, as fans, I think we prefer to have the this is a proper episode thing, mm-hmm. but obviously they know that they've essentially got a captive audience. Yeah. who are going to want to watch something on Christmas Day. So they have to kind of make it appeal to everybody. And I think that that's something that was wildly successful in the 50th, mm-hmm. but seemed to not quite come off as well in this one. Like um, something that I found quite irritating in the aftermath, um, sort of the immediate fallout from the episode, was the amount of people saying, I didn't understand a word of it. And mm. yeah, it really. I was sort of a bit like, well, I say it's pro- it's difficult for me and you to sort of sit there and go, well, obviously, you're not paying attention because we know the yeah. show well. Mm-hmm. So when we watch this, we go, oh yeah, right, absolutely makes a connection. But this is, you know, these are coming from people who know the show as well as I do. So. To be honest, I sort of I find it kind of laziness in that they want everything. I mean, you couldn't really explain it more obviously to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is just because I know the show well, and so I can make those connections. Mm-hmm. But it really does seem to be the default of like no one understands this show anymore. Whereas I think that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I, I, I didn't have a problem with like. Any, I managed to, like, even... Okay, after the fact, I managed to, like, piece, like, certain things that sort of, like, made me think, like, what at the time? But once you sort of, like, put, stop and think about it, think it over, then it it does make sense. I don't know whether it was just, again, because of the compressed nature mm-hmm. of it or, or what, but I, I, I didn't really have that much of a problem with it. I mean, the only thing maybe that I thought didn't really get answered was... Um, you know how um, <clears throat> Dorium says when he tells uh, the Doctor back, I think was it back in... Um, Wedding of River Song. song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, on the fields of Trenzalore where no, man, where no man can speak falsely or fail to answer. It was the failing to answer bit that never really sort of got addressed unless that was just sort of like how, you know, the legend of the fall of the 11th, you know, eventually got spun. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, things yeah. like legends, things can to, to get extrapolated and added on to, you know, like like stories told across the ages. So maybe that's just how Dorium heard of the fall of the 11th, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. So I can accept that. I mean, something that RTD used to say was that um, when they sort of create a world and they have people inhabiting the world and then they set out rules, mm-hmm. then when people break those rules, people absolutely, like, throw an absolute epi when they're watching it but Mm. as rtd said was that in our reality people break rules all the time and do things they're not supposed to yeah so why wouldn't that happen in the future also Mm -hmm. so i can accept that not every single word is kind of borne out by what happens Mm -hmm. in the in the part in the future episodes the general gist of it i can accept I'm, i'm okay with not every single word being acknowledged, if you see what I mean. Yeah. The things I did really like about the episode, I, was, I did like all the business with the papal mainframe and the uh, mm. 
this woman uh, this uh, woman that apparently the doctor has uh, had relations with yet another <laughs> sort of vaguely psychotic um kind of sociopath mm-hmm. <laughs> female who uh, i'll say i really enjoyed her performance though she was uh, one of the highlights yeah she was great i did like uh, tashel them um yeah. Yeah, and it, she was she did get some good bits especially when um spoilers she was revealed to have died and been converted into a dark puppet you know when she was saying you know you know the doctor says you know why why didn't you call for me when the people made was being attacked by the dark she says you know we, we tried you know i died screaming your name and then she sort of catches herself and she thinks oh i forgot all about that i mean that's yeah um, so that is that's kind of the most that is if there's a trademark moffat thing mm-hmm. it's that kind of that really awful creepiness of people not realizing they're dead or mm. things like that. I mean that that is one of his trademarks that sort of thing. So again one of the most successful I think monster attacks was the the weeping angels in the snow yeah. grabbing at Clara's ankle. I mean that was quite creepy. Yeah. Um yeah that, that was um that was that was good. That was good of use of the the angels um I think that's probably when they're best when they're like scarce. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so the less you see of the angels, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, the the exit episode with Rory and um, and Amy uh, proves that the best. Say so the more you see of the angels, the less scary they are. And mm-hmm. I think that keeping them kind of as vague as possible works best for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, having them sort of just has hands sticking out of the snow was really effective. Um, yeah, I'll say I was I was very pleased with that. But say yeah, like I was saying earlier, um, all the vignettes with the monsters on uh, Christmas in, on in, on Trenzalore was the best stuff for me. Yeah, the Suntarans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, is the invisibility cloak? I don't know. I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I say I like a, I really like the wooden side man. I say it's quite interesting that. Uh, this is the second year we've had a wooden nemesis in a Christmas episode. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So I don't know if that's some sort of significance there, I don't know, but um Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was in I say it was it was kind of one of those episodes where I I can't like you said right at the top of the show, I can't fault it for being bad or being average or the characters didn't work or the story didn't work everything worked it's just it didn't quite feel up to the sum of its parts for me Hmm. yeah um but i mean we can't not talk about matt smith we can't not talk about matt smith i mean he was just he was fabulous and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna miss him so much um he's it was just it was just one of it's one of those things that with Matt you kind of, I feel like we've almost started taking him for we took him for granted that he was so good yeah. and that he just came out of the gate smashed it in every week just was commitment all the way and um, this episode was no different um, especially as like the much more aged Doctor mm. um, I say I really in, I just I really enjoyed his performance yeah yeah I mean. You know, we meet the doctor at the end, like really near the end of his life, and it's you know he's just he's just so like tired and and worn out. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking to like see because you know as he says he's on his final life. You know, they they cleared up the regeneration issue. 
well have they well, because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is i think the elephant in the room of this uh, this episode that we're recording here is that this has caused absolutely no end of fallout Uh, in the past yeah uh, in the past uh, few days since this as we're recording since the episode went out um in the i think there's some people and this is a thought that came to my mind Mm -hmm. who are kind of mad at moffat for sort of making the 13th regeneration and solving that issue kind of his in the is saying that i'm the one who's going to solve it and screw everyone else and i'm gonna I'm going to change. I'm going to radically change the continuity of the show, and basically use up two more generations. And um, but part of me, the, the sort of the way I've come to think of it is that I'm kind of glad that it's now out of the way. Yeah, it had to have been done sometime. Yeah, absolutely. So I would rather that in the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. year, when you've got this opportunity, you've got a per- you've got a regeneration, you've had like massive interest in the show why not just completely start fresh and just mm. say yeah new life cycle it's a good way to sort of do it without bringing Gallifrey back like completely mm-hmm. so they've kind of left that they've sort of managed to avoid that bullet as well so like we say they resolved all the plot issues and they've basically just given them a complete clean break mm-hmm. I mean a uh- a lot of the complaints I'd seen online was about the regeneration itself. Yeah. A lot of people said that the change from Matt to Peter Capaldi was brief. But when you think about it, you've effectively got two regenerations in the space of, what, 10 minutes? Because you get the proper big regeneration when the Doctor gets his new life cycle. Right. And, I mean, the way I the way I say it, I was talking to my dad earlier today about it. And he, and he said that he thought the change was abrupt. But when you think about it, the Doctor's already regenerated. Yeah. His change from looking like Matt Smith to looking like Peter Capaldi is just finishing it off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all the all the regeneration energy is expelled at the Daleks. Mm. So it's like what we saw with uh, the 10th Doctor, yeah. or as the person we know as the 10th Doctor, um, began regenerating by healing his face and his hands from the glass cuts he had on it, much like the Matt Smith youthened first mm. um, and then went knocking about for God knows how long before his regeneration finished. So, yeah, it's it's perfectly in line with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a problem with the quick change because, you know, as, as like I say, he's, he's already regenerated, it just... Because it's brand new life cycle and he hasn't like, it hasn't like become accumulated to it yet. You know, it would make sense that all of a sudden, bang, there's the twelfth Doctor. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, the person who we, yeah. I think, are going to well, continually refer to as the twelfth Doctor, but isn't. Yeah. Is well. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, but I think that a lot of people are getting hung up on what do we call this guy. Mm. Um, you know, he's the 12th Doctor, the 14th Doctor, you know, but uh, it's kind of one of those things, it doesn't matter except to people who kind of think about this stuff all the time, like mm-hmm. me and you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to it's difficult to kind of get hit up about, but it's one of those things that's going to be interesting to, to sort of put into a continuity. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the other big thing. So Capaldi obviously only got like three lines. There was a lot of speculation that in the run-up that the, the regeneration would be much earlier in the episode and you would get much more Capaldi hmm. 
for for your uh, for your money. But uh, no, we got sort of a similar situation that we got with the tenth Doctor in that he changed, and then we got like literally three lines, and then the episode ended. Hmm. So your impressions. I mean, obviously, it's difficult to form an opinion. And one thing that the thing that annoyed me most in the immediate aftermath of the episode was people going, "He's terrible." Capaldi's oh. awful, I don't like him, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, he has literally had three lines and we had all this before and now everyone loves Matt Smith and doesn't want him to go. Mm-hmm. So and this always happens with every Doctor. Yeah. So your impressions first off. I, do you know, I always find it a bit difficult to give first impressions when you have like a, a newly regenerated Doctor because obviously they're not going to get out of screen time so you can't, it's not, it doesn't feel right to form an opinion. Um... But there was a little bit of me, um, <laughs> after he just regenerated, he's like staring at Clara. I thought he was actually going to go for her neck or something, you know? It's like, yeah. it's, it's like really sort of intense, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I can't. See, I think, I think Capaldi will be absolutely fine. Yeah. But it's just, mm. do you know so what I mean, though? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because when I, when I, when we watched, when, Matt Smith came on the first time and he had just regenerated and he I don't know because I wasn't expecting anything from Matt he kind of immediately impressed me but because mm. Capaldi we've we've seen him in loads of other stuff we're big fans we know he can act we know he's going to do well mm-hmm. but you were kind of waiting to be like super impressed and obviously that kind of didn't come because he's only got three lines and we don't know what the character's going to be like mm-hmm. So I think it didn't quite it didn't quite get to that like wow thing that Matt yeah. Smith did, but obviously once he gets going, we're gonna know him better. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the the mental separation between him and Malcolm Tucker, especially like that, <laughs> like you say that first shot, like when he's staring at Clara, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get Malcolm out of my mind. It was so funny because um, as we're recording this, yesterday was the end of the NFL regular season, week seventeen. <laughs> And me and you, I am a fan of the Detroit Lions, boo, who managed to absolutely piss away this season. And I was talking about them on Twitter and I used a Malcolm Tucker quote of they are an omni shambles from bean to cup. They fuck up. Right. Yeah. So you you then email, you tweeted me a little video clip of Malcolm Tucker in full rant mode. Mm-hmm. And I almost tweeted you back saying that's our doctor. That is. Yeah, I know. You know, and it's just. Know. <laughs> it's kind of it, it's sort of it's what well, I've, I've got no doubt that once once Capaldi's in full flow and we've seen his first episode Malcolm Tucker will be erased from the brain I've mm. got no doubt of that but right for right now it's really difficult <laughs> well do you know what I was I was I've seen uh I was watching a clip of him in uh, Neverwhere yeah um and that's this is well pre Malcolm Tucker but even then it was it was hard to like separate strangely. I don't know why, but I'm. I don't think I'll ever separate Peter Capaldi from Malcolm Tucker. I think it'll just get compartmentalized. Like this yeah. was a person he played. Now he's the Doctor. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's. You know, it's a bit like how it must have been when Peter Davison came and took the role over. Because, mm. I mean, one of my mates still calls him that fucking vet. <laughs> and he was cast before I was born, you know? Or we were born, I'm sorry. You know, so... But once you... I think once you sort of get past that initial kind of weird kind of whiplash, it, mm. it gets much easier. And it will. And to be honest, but I, I think I'm going to have to not watch any of the thick of it or read any <laughs> of the, any sort of 
quotes of his or watch any clips because I'm going to have to kind of, you know, cleanse my brain of it. <laughs> but um, over here in England, over here in the UK, we're getting a, a series. They're doing a Three Musketeers series. Yes, yes, he is. And he's playing Cardinal Richelieu. So I think I'm going to have to watch that like pretty oh. hard, like to kind of get me in, get me in the right mode for his performance. Mm. Um, so I, I think maybe another thing that we should talk about is um, <clears throat> Amy. Yes, um, that that caused. Uh, actually, I thought that would cause more consternation than it did. Hmm. Um, I knew nothing about this at all. So, I mean, when she popped up, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Hmm. Um, I was quite, I was quite into that. And it's a, it's like a hallucination. And like yeah. the doctor says, this is the first face my this face saw. So, um, you know, it it makes sense that he would be attached to her in that way. Mm. And so I didn't mind it. And it wasn't for the whole episode. He wasn't seeing her all the way through. Like he was like seeing river or something like that. It Mm. was just a little brief moment, a little acknowledgement. And that was it. Mm. I agree. But at the same time, I I still can't help but feel sorry for Jenna Coleman. Cause I mean, hopefully now that Peter Capaldi's on board, it'll be a clean break for her as well, because I I think she, she kind of, well, I don't want to say she couldn't escape from Karen Killen's shadow, because she, you know, she's a completely different character from Amy. But it's it's like it, it must be like so hard to be like the new person on, you, yeah. you know, especially when you've had like such so many stories established with the companionship between the Doctor and Amy, and, and to an extent Rory. So it's it's kind of like it's hard to. She doesn't seem to have like really like Jenna Coleman. I mean, she's she's a great actress. I loved her in this, but somehow Clara still doesn't feel like I don't know fully there. If you know what I mean, it's it's yeah. Um, I think because they kind of emphasise that Clara is kind of not on the TARDIS full time. She just sort of she just gives him a ring occasionally. They go off and have a have an adventure or you know he pops around to see her or something like that it's Hmm. you don't get this impression that they've been knocking around together for ages it like you did with all the other companions and i think it's a touch of the marthas you Hmm. know that she he's he's she's having to deal with kind of this massive overhang of the previous companion who was so part of that story Hmm. a bit like the tenth and rose it's like coming off that kind of it's sort of the rebound girlfriend you know you kind of have to get through that person and get on to the next person almost yeah so i think i hope like you that um once capaldi sort of established and they sort of go on together obviously once we see how their chemistry works out and see what my wants to do kind of arc wise so i do wonder if they're gonna go sort of do a kind of uh sort of a like a sixth doctor type thing of him being quite abrasive and then kind of settling down mm. um i've i've got a feeling they might go that way yeah i i don't i don't think that would be bad as long as it's is not as abrasive as the sixth doctor and perry were to each other because you you watch some of the episodes that they were in and you just think why the hell are they even traveling together you yeah. think they you know normally in in real life People just go right. You know what? Fuck you, and they just go their separate ways. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and we've we've talked about this at length as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't mind it for like you know. Obviously, I think the first episode because 
Capaldi's doctor says, you know how to fly this thing. So I wonder mm-hmm. if they're going to do like the old kind of the fifth doctor kind of amnesia angle and then he's kind of slowly getting back into his identity and mm-hmm. sort of going that way. I don't think we're going to have anything like the level of abrasiveness that we saw with the six. Yeah. But I can see, I could, I could foresee that they would kind of um, maybe just sort of play with that for an episode mm-hmm. as the beginning and then move on. Yeah, I could, I could see that as sort of like being a sort of like like the first episode of like friction between you know the doctor and clara because you know clara would be upset at losing the 11th doctor and, and like suddenly this this guy's shown up and yeah. you know and i could see it like you know peter capaldi's doctor being like you know i'm the doc i am the doctor i think you know what's what's the problem do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. But it's going to be interesting as well because Clara is in a much more sort of advanced <laughs> position than the other companion before her mm. in that she's seen all his lives. He, she understands the concept of regeneration, mm-hmm. fund, you know, at a sort of a basic level, which obviously none of the others really did. So she's kind of got a one-up on him from there. So I think there might be a little bit of like a guiding thing mm. from clara so to put her in more of a, a dominant position for the first episode because she knows much more than him if they're going to play like an amnesia angle mm. yeah um what else quick oh should we have a quick word about clara's family yes let's have a word about clara's family um a lot of people moaning about oh i thought her mum was dead and like you're idiots it's clearly her stepmom mm-hmm. um but her nan or oh broke my heart she reminded my my dear departed nan um yeah she that's that's when i started crying mm. when she was talking about um sort of telling that story over the table around the table and clara's dad's trying to get her to tell a different story and she won't she's telling the one about um sort of missing her husband and oh goodness that absolutely got me mm. yeah i mean do you know i think now, okay, I don't want to slight the actress who played the stepmom or whoever she is, the blonde lady, but yeah. fucking hell, what a bitch. Oh, God, she's just a giant bitch. Oh, and, my um, God. I mean, I think, I think, to be honest, they're kind of playing up that, that kind of awkward Christmas thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people go through that of having step-parents and uh, people's significant others who kind of rub you up the wrong way and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that they were just obviously playing with that, and I think obviously the drama—it's kind of that fundamental thing of drama comes from conflict, right? Mm. So you can't have them being a happy family, like a happy fluffy family, because that would be easy. Yeah, you know, because fundamentally the companions are looking for something that they're missing. Mm-hmm. So if their family life was perfect, you wonder why they would go. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally get what you mean, but I just think Mevy's like her like cattiness could have just maybe just like toned it down just a little bit like if she had a bit more tact do you yeah. know what i mean i mean when you know clara's upset about the doctor having like effectively sent her home and she says oh there's plenty more efficiency i've got a list it's like what you know it's like it just you know and like the oh here we go crying at christmas sort of like just really sort of insensitive you'd think you'd at least try and be like oh okay you know okay i understand but mm. yeah i think that's kind of that's obviously i think moffat has a, a relative who annoys him and mm. i think that might be an xp of uh, <laughs> that, that relative you know who you are <coughs> moffat, i think mm. a touch of the mother-in-laws there i think mm-hmm. mm. um yeah where? but i say overall i think sort of summing up 
um, with this episode. I think the fact that we're sort of kind of not struggling to think of something to talk about, but that we haven't banged on and on about it is mm-hmm. that I think it's it, it, it's kind of there one of those ones of it's an it's a slightly above average episode mm-hmm. um, with good bits and good a, a good entertaining solid hour for Christmas, but beyond that you can't really say much more about it. Mm. If it wasn't for the regeneration and all that sort of stuff, I think this episode would be quite unremarkable. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, as harsh as that may sound, I think it, it, it kind of has the, the kind of the whiff of kind of a mid-series episode with important stuff in it. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like when we used to have 13 in a row, it sort of feels like an episode eight. Mm. Yeah, I would say it's like in terms of like if you just stripped out like the regeneration aspect, the fact that, you know, the, the Time Lords are trying to communicate through one of the cracks in time. um things like that if you if you stripped all that out then i would say it's probably maybe slightly above like dr widow in the wardrobe in terms of like yeah. sort of um kind of that tear jerking kind of yeah on that, yeah, sort of, that, that sort kind of, level. of christmas episode it's, it is on that level yeah i entirely agree it's sort of like that and i like i say i think if it wasn't for the regeneration stuff we i'd like to say i think we would just be saying this is an average Mm-hmm. kind of mid-series episode but those be that being said i i was really left i was left pleased by the fact that all the questions that we wanted answers have now been resolved mm-hmm. i'm really pleased about that and i'm i'm pleased that and i'm pleased with the way that the 11th regenerated mm-hmm. that we didn't have this bloody great big basically wank fest that we had with the 10th yeah. i was much more pleased with the way the 11th doctor went out with some bloody dignity unlike the 10th doctor mm-hmm. yeah i think that's actually that's probably one one more bit i'd like to highlight about the actual regeneration sequences when he takes off the bow tie yeah it's it's the 11th doctor who does it he's like at peace with the fact that you know he's not going to be around for much longer and so he, he's the one to take off the tie because i think if the capaldi had done it I think that would have been a little bit, I don't want to say insensitive, but yeah, but do you know what I mean though? It's like, it's like um, when in Castrovalva, when the fifth doctor unravels the fourth doctor's scarf. Yeah. It's kind of like that sort of, all right, okay, I'm the new man, bow tie's gone. But the fact that it was the 11th doctor himself, the one, the the patron saint of bow ties, you know, um, (laughs) he's the one who... Who removes it? Who sort of like hangs? He sort of, you know, says, "Right, that's it. That's it for me." And then just sort of leaves it to, yeah, you know. let's drop it on the floor. And I think that, like you say, it, it was the fact that he was at peace with his life and what mm. had happened. I mean, previously to the Time Lords giving him another regeneration cycle, he was at peace with the fact that his life was ending. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was it was nice. I mean, because the way that the Tenth Doctor railed against his death i mean in in a way because of the what we actually know now you could actually retcon that because he knows that he's going into his last life mm-hmm. that's why he rails so much against it yeah. um but obviously we didn't know that then mm-hmm. um so the way that he sort of wouldn't wouldn't accept his regeneration was really just came off as shitty mm-hmm. uh, whereas in this this one i was like i say much more pleased and his last words were lovely and it it just it 
all worked really well and I was just I was pleased with the way that they decided to do it hmm. um that he ultimately as well he, he didn't try and get out of it until no. the until the the time was game another regeneration cycle he wasn't sitting there planning a way out he just was like I'm going to basically defend this town to the death it is my fate mm-hmm. it is the way of life it, it, that's it it's been it's been where I've going my it's been where I've going my entire lives and this is it mm-hmm. and I just thought great I just thought that's a really nice way to approach it especially yeah. after what happened with the 10th doctor mm-hmm. well and especially since you know the 11th doctor had his moments of like cheating you mm. know fate quote unquote it was only means but this this time he sort of like went right you know what you know had a good run if yep. this is where it ends then so be it absolutely yeah and sadly that's almost kind of where it did yep so is there anything else you want to mention or no i think that's it i'll just you know for now obviously we we look forward uh to what Peter Capaldi's going to come out with. Um, at the moment, as we record right now, um, it's looking like a July slash August uh, premiere. So we've got seven and eight months to to sit, wait and speculate. And mm. um, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And God bless Handles the Cyberhead. Rest in peace, Handles. Oh, you will be missed, sir. <laughs> I look forward to buying your toy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it <was> inevitable. <laughs> so, folks, let us know what you thought about the time of the Doctor. You can email us at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. You can also tweet us at greatestshowpod. Uh, Emma runs the Facebook page. Tell us about that, Ames. I do run the Facebook page. Uh, head on over to facebook.com forward slash greatestshowpodcast and uh, check us out. We've got a nice little uh, chat going on there. So come and join us and join the discussion. Indeed, and this is the end of Series 1 of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> We've just done this. We have. It's amazing. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who's been listening for our first series and given us feedback and loads of ideas and I've one cannot wait to come back and get back up and put out Series 2 for you guys. Absolutely. And But until then, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And we shall talk to you next time.